Hello and welcome to another episode of Miked, the official podcast of St. Michael Catholic Church, Gastonia, North Carolina, where we are invested so that we might be transformed and fully belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am your host and director of evangelization at this great Paris, Shane Page, and I am joined again this week with the sanguine Father Rossi. <laughs> used my temperament. I used your temperament. That's right. How are you, Father? I'm sanguine. <laughs> All the it is time. good to be sanguine. How is your Lent going? I mean, it's, we're going now. It's the fourth week of Lent. We are. We've just a long. This Father, is the, this is the longest Lent ever for me. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say. I'm going to say in all seriousness, the same for me. I'm 41. Yeah. Uh, so our viewers who didn't know my age, you got a surprise today. Yeah, it's the longest Lent for me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the hardest, which makes it kind of great. Uh, hard, hard. I have hard. had harder Lents, but not because of. In, you know my own penances, but just because of just you know difficult chapters of of my life happened in Lent, you know. But um, but yeah, this has been uh, it's certainly been more austere for me in in certain ways with Lent practices for myself personally. Uh, but yeah, it's I mean it's longer. It feels longer. Uh, but I've really been enjoying tremendously the return experience journaling in just the past few days. Um, you know the meditations have been have been wonderful. You know today he's talking about the silence of God being medicine. What a great you know med- meditation on mm-hmm. how we struggle in prayer. Why God isn't answering? Why isn't He doing something? Then yesterday he had a meditation on the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Right, it was the Bethesda mm-hmm. pool, and it was the man who was ill for thirty eight years. He couldn't walk. He, could, he was struggling to get to the pool. Um, paral- you know, kind of paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, God healed him, but in a way he never expected. Yes. And how we cling to that. God's going to act, and it's going to be this way. Sure. This is what God will do. And we all do that all the time. You know, and I, if someone says they don't, I know I do all the time. I'm always, and I don't even, you know, it's so bad, folks, that we don't even recognize how often we do that with the Lord. You know, like, God's going to act, and he's going to do this. And if he's going to, if he's really God, he'll do this, you know. Yeah, I think our posture always needs to be the one of the Virgin Mary. I mean, she said to the Lord, they have no wine, but she did not tell him what to do. That's true. She just brought the request to him, mm-hmm. and then he acted in his own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just in a posture of I, of expectation. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Without uh, defining what those expectations right. might be. Right, right. Yeah. But, Speaking of expectations and defining expectations, it's going to be quite a podcast. Well, let's, let's, I hope it is because I do want us to follow up with what you had brought up briefly last week uh, at our podcast when we were talking about the Pope. Now, this mm-hmm. is something I really want to talk about because I, uh, as a relatively new convert, I know that over the last couple of years, less and even than really two before years, that, really. yes, less than two years, it'll be two years in May, and even sometime before that, um, during the pontificate of Pope Francis, I have seen a, a significant, I was going to say relentless, that may be too strong of a word, but a significant amount of criticisms leveled at our Holy Father through various social media channels especially. So much so that there are personalities there or out in the social media landscape who have even undermined the legitimacy or tried to question the legitimacy of Pope Francis's pontificate. Is he even, is he a false pope? What's going on in the Vatican? And and you see this, it's not limited to just one personality. There, there, It's become what I have described as a kind of industry. 
devoted to exposing the Vatican, exposing Pope Francis. And here I am thinking, well, wait a minute. I, I thought the, the Pope was the head of the bishops, was the, the, the successor of Peter. There are some things that we do to the office that we should not be doing to you know, anyone else. Um, and so I'm now teaching people who are coming into the Catholic Church through our RCA here at the local parish, and we spoke about this just a couple of weeks ago. There was a question about what about the criticism of the Pope? And mm -hmm. people began to talk about, yes, there seems to be so many spears leveled at him. How do we think about this? How can we bring some sanity? Uh, because I'm troubled by it. As a new convert, I have been troubled by this. And I cannot be the only one. And let's just have a conversation. Now, what I want to say right off the bat is my position and the premise of today's podcast, at least from my perspective, is not going to be, you should never say anything critical about the man who holds the chair of Peter. There should be no critique of the leadership at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But I do want us to have a conversation that this is the vicar of Christ on earth. How really should we think about this? So let's just kind of start. I'm going to begin by just quoting a couple of sections from the, the catechism. And then uh, maybe you've got something that you want to share. Sure, and sure. then we can begin to have a conversation about what we're seeing in social media, because I think it's more effective. It has had more of an effect on people than we, we realize. We, than we yes, realize. Yes. It's, I would it's, totally agree with that. It's, it's hurting us. So just a couple of, I'm going to read just from uh, paragraph 882 and 883 from the Catechism. Just a couple of sentences. And uh, it says, The Pope, the Bishop of Rome, and Peter's successor is the perpetual and visible source and foundation of the unity both of the bishops and of the whole company of the faithful. For the Roman pontiff, by reason of his office as vicar of Christ, and I may ask you to define vicar for us, and as pastor of the entire church, he has full supreme and universal power over the whole church, a power which he can always exercise unhindered. And then the next paragraph, the college or body of bishops has no authority unless united with the Roman pontiff, Peter's successor, as its head. Um, so right off the bat... Read that last one again about the other bishops in Carter. Yeah, Carter. the college or body of bishops has no authority unless united with the Roman pontiff, Peter's successor, as, his, as its head. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of authority really derives from the office of, of the Pope. So the catechism is just he is the source of the church's unity. If we're not in union with if the bishops are not in union with him, they have no authority. But the vicar of Christ, what, what is that? What does that mean, the vicar of Christ? Well, I would, I mean, vicar, as I understand the word used in just the structure of the church is, you know, even, uh, you know, my first assignment was as a parochial vicar in a parish. I'm not, I wasn't the pastor. What's a parochial vicar? You know, what's a vicar? If someone who's given something vicariously, something that's transferred okay. from a higher authority. So, you know, a, a vicar general who works with the bishop, you know, he does, his powers are delegated. So he can act in the name of the bishop on a lot of things vicariously mm -hmm. because the bishop has made that possible. Mm -hmm. And same thing with a parochial vicar. He offers mass, can witness weddings, celebrate the sacraments, you know, 
and can do things that are reserved to the pastor because they're delegated. He, the pastor can delegate certain powers and authority in a parish uh, to a parochial vicar, and it's only within the realm of his parish assignment, parochial, mm-hmm. is where that comes from. Um, so it would seem that the church's use of the language vicar of Christ uh, you know, really means the transference of power, authority, teaching, governance uh, of Christ who founded his church upon Peter, the rock, and uh, there was a transference happening there. Is that yes. The, if that's the right way to say it. Um, so, yeah, you know, where Peter has no power within himself, mm-hmm. you know, but what that would which has been granted to him, mm-hmm. um, to a specific share in the authority of Christ as um, as head of the church, you know, it's really Christ, you know. So, um, you know, there's many, many priests called Father. Well, there's only one Father in heaven, right? You know, um, but we share in that, you know, in that in that communion, that link that we have with Christ uh, through the church. And so, therefore, the and then just making sure we clarify as we talk about the Pope, um, you know, the Pope is not ordained. You're not ordained a Pope. You are the the office of pope is there, the office meaning authority, you know some kind of governance is given, um, and so as it has happened through the centuries, the cardinals elect the Holy Father, the new Holy Father, and, and generally it's always been a cardinal in the College of Cardinals, um, and cardinals also are appointed. They're not they're not ordained a cardinal, you know, um, you're not ordained a pope, you know, but the pope is a Oftentimes, he's the bishop of Rome. So, you know, just like we have Bishop Peter Jugas of Charlotte, well, Bishop, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio uh, is uh, made bishop of Rome when he's, uh, but he was already a bishop, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, uh, Buenos, uh, was it Arch? I don't even remember. Is it it's Argentina. Argentina, yeah. Buenos Aires, yeah. But, um, and then made a cardinal uh, by, um, I think was it John Paul II? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um so the bishop of Rome is the always the pope. The pope holds the office and the bishop of Rome is that man. He's the head of the college of bishops. Yeah. By virtue of being Peter's successor. By yes. being pope, yeah. Yes, so, by being the pope. So the bishop of Rome and the pope are the same, but the bishop of Rome is an ordained reality. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he sacramentally is given the fullness of the priesthood by being a bishop, and bishops can be transferred, you know, so bishops move to different dioceses. And so in this case, you know, he no longer is gonna, was going to be, you know, over the diocese of, I guess, Buenos Aires, but, you know, now Rome is his diocese, you know. But in addition to that, he's also the head of the church universal. And uh, that is a supreme authority, and that... That can confuse, and even modern day, it seems Catholics and Christians today about that kind of governing power, that um, that the the democratic, <laughs> you know, the voice of the people, as we understand it in America, we see the church a lot of times through that democratic lens, and that's just that's not what the church is. Right. You know, we don't have popular acclaim. Yes. You know, it's uh, unabashedly hierarchical. Right. And uh, yes, there's been times where. There's been, you know, kind of the acclamation of the faithful through history with bishops being appointed and, and things like that. But but the Pope is, you know, there is an election. There's voting yes. that happens, and that's the College of Cardinals and the Conclave. Um, and, you know, and they swear on the gospel and promise and say special prayers. And 
we're supposed to be told that everything they delivered about it is supposed to be confidential, yet somehow some things leak out. So either, somewhere along the line, someone isn't holding up their end of the, the bargain there. But yeah, um, they elect, and that's the new Holy Father. And there's, you know, they think it's, I don't know, what is it? I forget, two-thirds or... I can't remember the number. I don't know. I'm not sure about the. Uh, I should know all that, but I don't. So how the order some works. Other people are clever in the conclave. But don't, don't you? I mean, the church is unabashedly hierarchical, but we can become fixated with the hierarchy of the church. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and because the catechism and the church teaches that, remember that the church is always Marian before it is Petrine. In other words, the church ultimately is about a love for Jesus Christ, pottering on His Word seeking to be in union with him as Mary was, but we can get so caught up with Peter, the, the hierarchy yeah, or the ranks yeah. of the church. Can, that's what we would call the institutional church. Yes. You know, and, there, and there, it is there, and we do, it is important. We do. It's a it. gift to us, it yes. It is, yeah, and uh, it, it might be bureaucracy, yes. We're fallen, we're all sinners, and no one's holding any office perfect, you know, as far as not flawed, not a sinner, Um and so we can get caught up in the institutional church, though, you know, and forget, well, we're all called, everyone, <clears throat> doesn't matter what, where you are in the church, you're called to be a saint. So it doesn't matter if you're the pope or you're the catechetical leader of some tiny little country parish and 80 families or something. Everybody's called to be a saint. Yes. Everyone's called to holiness. Everyone's called to be in union with Which Jesus is the Marian dimension of the to church. follow him unreservedly yeah. to surrender our lives to him. You know, all of us are. Yeah, that's the Marian dimension of the church. But he, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. Now, I think maybe the saint for us in this conversation and for our listeners is to really think about is St. Catherine of Siena because she had a, a vision when she was a young girl. And uh, she saw Jesus. She had a vision of the Lord Jesus himself, and he was dressed in the garments of the papacy. Mm. And that vision really carried her for the rest of her life. Um, she lived during uh, the pontificate, I believe, of Gregory the Eleventh. Now, this is when the Pope no longer resided in Rome. Now, the, the fame about her holiness spread. So she was one of the few people who could actually have an audience uh, with the Pope, and she would. And she was very firm with the decision to have left Rome. You need to be back at Rome. So on the one hand, there is a critique but she would always say about the Pope, he is my sweet Jesus on earth. So certainly there was questions of, of certain decision, but there was a deference there, mm -hmm. uh, a devotion there almost to what the Pope represented. It is, it is Jesus Christ, <laughs> my sweet Jesus on earth. So should we be, Father? I ask you, I mean, so when I'm reading on social media, this could be a false pope. Here's another article that is that is amplifying some other decision that has been made. And you have to kind of comb through all of this minutia to really question the legitimacy of his office, whether this pope is legitimate. Or, it shouldn't, don't we need to kind of back off for a minute and just breathe? Isn't that dangerous for Catholics to begin to succumb to? I'm just asking this as a new convert. <clears throat> well, I think I think one thing that we're probably, we need to admit as Catholics and priests and the lay faithful, really everybody's generally speaking, is we're probably not doing a lot of work educating ourselves in the right way. And when any decision, and this is not new, this is decades in the way, you know, any decisions made in Rome or by any pope, or, you know, it's always the media is going to put out what they 
think is important or what is the most you, alarmist and give you the give you the the bullet points or whatever and, and and you know they're all looking for something to fit the bias in which they serve you know um, and this isn't this happens with every holy father i mean it's a recent memory you know it's any ever since we have news media radio waves and whatnot um <clears throat> so but i think what we and i'm guilty of this uh you know i countless times you know that i might skim or scan or look at a pick a news report you know site to get the cliff notes version or you know well, okay what's in i'm not reading this whole thing and and then just read that and then assume i know i don't know and i i have you know i'm I, sure i don't read a lot of the documents in their entirety and you know and i know that i probably should and i probably got to figure out how how to how to really do that um in my life you know i'm trying to read scriptures more and 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 all that as well um but uh i think that knowing that we are like that means that we are all vulnerable we are making ourselves more vulnerable by allowing even if they're good news sources to tell us what to think and how to think and how to react and that is how we live our lives in my opinion as modern american people confirmation all need, bias all we need is another election season yes. to to bring that out yes you know that <clears throat> and even the way in which debates and things happen it's always attacking people there's rarely any information or debating uh in a, in a constructive way it's really side a against side b you know uh the blue team against the red team you know <clears throat> um and so even i mean even if people remember when pope uh benedict was elected you know it was you know god's rottweiler elected you know big german shepherd evil bad terrible you know and then you know but then and then francis is elected and it's you know left you know leftist pope gonna be this mm -hmm. way you know and already they're already the reports and people are reacting you know he didn't do this you know pope benedict did that he didn't you know he wore that he didn't wear this you know this is every alarmist you know he's this you know and so immediately oh you know criticisms and judgments were happening right away you know he his personality you know he's like he's not like pope benedict's like yeah no he's from argentina you know benedict was from germany you know i mean if we really took a, a minute to breathe and go, you know, when would people from another continent be like, you know, somebody else? And I mean, so I just want to, I'm saying the point that this is how we live our lives and that we have to start actively deciding to learn differently. And, um, you know, it might, and, you know, if we want to read certain healthy and balanced news on some level, I, you know, commentary can, is helpful. Um, but I think it's also very dangerous because that's just really, it's emotion driven. And, um, and so the long and short of it basically is it's, it's, if we really want to know what he's teaching and saying, um, we really need to start absorbing it more in its entirety and well, reading and the reading primary through, sources. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, saying yeah. if you don't, if, if he's, if some says he's teaching a, a bad thing or in a bad way about something, you know, well, what's the whole document? say you know well it's too long or i don't like it well i mean i okay i, I didn't write it you know yes. but i mean i suppose if there's a strong issue to be taken with something that's being said or taught then you know read and study what what, what has been given out mm -hmm. to understand and then look to the church to help us understand it you know i mean because that's always the magisterium which is the teaching function of the church to help interpret you know um so, I mean, I, th I just think we need to uh, really understand that a lot of what we're doing really isn't 
uh, and getting educated. Well, we're not know. thinking biblically about the issue, right. I don't think. Uh, and we're letting maybe some other outlets do the thinking for us. Because what I'm concerned about is that when you have a business model that is predicated on exposing, exposure, you're always going to be searching for something else to expose and, it's, and, it, and, and it's, to amplify yeah. that. And then what does that do? It, it incre- increases ratings, which increases your, your revenue. But you've got to continue this cycle. You have to keep expanding it uh, because it is effective. It works. We respond to this. We all have an innate. It could be a f- part of our uh, original sin, this confirmation bias. We want to be confirmed in our rightness of how we look at the world. And so we go and find people who can tell us daily, you're right, and you are right, yeah, yeah. and you are right again, yeah, yeah. right again, Father. Yeah. You're right, yeah. and I'm being confirmed more and more in my rightness. And that can really move us away from what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Catholics, we are supposed to be the people who want the truth because Correct. we receive truth himself yeah. in the Holy Eucharist at the, at the Mass. Correct. And that's a great way to, you know, we really need to take a deep breath as a culture and say, we, we're we all doing this. Nearly everybody probably, you know. And if you think you're not, well, think about how you read news and how you check news and what you look at, you know. And, and when you do... Is it not as you just said? Oh, I'm right again. Yep, he's he is a terrible president, or right. president, terrible governor, or a terrible pope, or a terrible bishop, or a terrible pastor. There it is again. And yes. and and the thing is, is that it's it's it can be truth, it can be factual statements and things. It's not like people are making things up all the time either. You know, I mean, but it also uh, comes to say that you know that that ultimately, if if we if we want to destroy a leader. You know, any leader can be destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, because who's who is you know free of any failures, free of any error, free of any lack of judgment. Well, I'm exactly. Could you imagine? I mean, this is a pope who really is living in the age of of, of social media. Pope John Paul II was just at the very kind of the tail end when it was beginning. Could you imagine? Let's go back in time. Could you imagine if there were social media outlets during the reign of King David? Uh, and after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Uh, or could you imagine if there was social media when Jeremiah, you know, the prophet Jeremiah was telling the king, you need to surrender to the Babylonians. If you don't surrender, it's going to be really bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> prophet yeah. Jeremiah wants the king to surrender. Yeah. You know, he's a yeah. traitor to the cause. And there would be the, all of this yeah, amplification right. and hysteria yeah. and alarmism. And it, would, and it would completely deafen us from what the truth is. What is God really trying to speak to us? But could you imagine what history would look like if social media were around even in biblical times? But I mean, that's exactly right with the prophets, you know. And I think that part of what our issue is, is, you know, the truth begins to be difficult when it's something we don't want to hear. Yes. But need to hear, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, the truth isn't always something that makes me happy and joyful. Sometimes the truth is you got to change. You got to let this good thing go. You know, you got to go on to a harder assignment or a a different way of life or, you know, bad news, you know, uh, it can be the truth too. Sure. You know, in a sense. So uh, meaning that it's challenging me personally. Yes. Um, And I may not rejoice in that. Right. You know, Uh, so I think that um, we, you know, we can be very hardened about that. And it's only the truth in the way I want it presented, which we live in relativistic times, and we, we already know that this is the this is the, the 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 temperature of the water that we swim in, you know. So we shouldn't say, "Well, I'm not a relativist, and I don't play those games." Like, well, 
you know, Apple and Google and the social media outlets, they know exactly how we all work and they're discovering the psychological multi-billion dollar industry that's gone into studying how we think, shop, order, everything we communicate. It's all, you know, we are... Uh, we were really victimized by our own technology more than we yeah, were. Yeah, this is this. I've heard someone say this is almost the equivalent. You know, the digital media, the information of the digital media is almost the equivalent of the age of the printing press when it was mm-hmm. brand new. There was all kinds of outlandish publications that were getting in the hands of people. You didn't know what was what, mm-hmm. and now we've got a new medium, uh, the digital information. And you, I can immediately put something online and put it immediately on on, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and you can you have immediate access to the video, and this is happening in every other channel. But as as Catholics, I, I, when it comes to the Pope, I, I think we need some sanity uh, here and understand who he is, what the nature of his office is, and how dangerous I'm using that word dangerous it is to always gin up conspiracy that I'm seeing online as a new convert because when I see all of these rocks thrown over and over again, questioning his authority, questioning whether he was uh, duly elected, to me, for lack of a better word, it's Protestantism. This is how, this is how Protestantism began. Um, and that does trouble me because if the Pope is the, the visible unity, the sign of the, of the church's unity, if you want to disunite us and divide us, you strike at the heart of our unity, and it is the chair of Peter. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too, too dramatic Well, I mean, here. really the head, you know, the heart. Strike at the head, yes. Yeah, yeah. Strike at the, the head. Strike the head, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, th- I think it's been very difficult uh, for the church these past 10 years in, in different ways with the pontificate of Pope Francis um and um i think it's been i don't think maybe enough is being done to help um us understand and you know and there's just i think even with the move to understand the whole, the current holy father there can be an utter resistance to that like i don't want to know who he is i don't care i he's making terrible decisions or i'm criticizing you know what he's said or doing or um and and, and the thing is is we have you just said it, you know, in the social media, you know, I mean, if any one of us, I want everybody listening to it, just imagine a camera and a microphone on you all the time mm-hmm. for your whole life. Just think where you are if you're 45 or 50 years old or 23. Just imagine that someone comes in and says, I have everything you've said, done, everywhere you've been, all 24 hours a day for 23 years, it's all there. And you never, you know, I've got it all. It's all here. Every moment, everything you wished you'd forget about, you know, uh, what you did last week, every hour, every minute, every second, every word, it's all here. I have it. Yep. And that's basically uh, the culture in which we kind of live because of phones. And, you know, and the, the point is, is that you can you can destroy anybody, you know, and we, we don't need evidence of that because it happens all the time. And so where are we as, as in a culture of humanity where, you know, um, we want, you know, of course, there's this desire to have leaders to be moral and upright. And of course, you know, yeah, but I also we think that we also think we I think I'm not sure what we mean by that. We put our leaders up on pedestals. We do it to the priests, the pastors, the pope, the bishops, you know, um, and we have done that for a long time. And, you know, if there is an error or a grievous action, 
you know, then we, we just flush them, you know, down the toilet and just say that they're, you know, off with their head, they're no good, and need another one, you know, um, and recognizing that the, the last two Holy Fathers that we, you know, St. John Paul II and Ben XVI, you know, I mean, I'm sure if we s- sat them down, they would, they would, if we just said, oh, you weren't sinners, they would argue vehemently sure. about they know their sins and other weaknesses and that you know if 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 we if we assume that they never made a flaw or an error in judgment or a bad decision as as pontiffs we have been blind that's right you know and they would say do you have any i, I mean i just can't imagine anyone in any leadership position with the weight of you know and let's just ask parents right now you know you're leading a family of four or five you know um you run a company you know, you you don't make a bad decision. You haven't made a bad move. You know, you don't have a bad day. Or as spoke a parent, unclearly, or spoke unclear, or or harshly, mm-hmm. or made a bad judgment sure. call on your kids, and your kids yelled at you, and you said, "I hate you. You're the meanest mom and dad in the world." And you know, I made harsh decisions because, as a parent, you felt like that's what was needed at the time. Yeah. And later, you know, maybe it's different, but you can't go back and change that. Yes. And so I think that we have maybe what I'm seeing and speaking this way is we were losing a human a human way of looking at of looking at what leadership really is and we we live in a culture where there also on the other side is a leadership vacuum where there's a lot of silence and lack of courage and lack of clarity and so i mean i mean everybody listening right now we all want strong leaders that are god-fearing uh prayer i mean we want holy people to lead us in the church i mean that's I think that's what everybody wants. We all want that. Okay, no one's like, I want a bad leader who doesn't teach well. I mean, no one's wanting that. You know, but I think that at the core, whether the Pope or the lay catechist, you know, um, and the married uh, couple with, you know, children, that we're all called to holiness. And that if what, what damages the church the most is when we lose our communion with Jesus Christ and when we pull away from him and when we believe that holiness is no longer possible for us when and i think that when that's where the scandals of the church come is like somewhere along the line there was a decision that holiness personal holiness wasn't for me or it wasn't obtainable or i i really or i lost my love for christ in my heart and my heart, my heart was hardened toward him which is so easy to do in the church i don't think people understand how easy it is for people who are quote in the church, busy working for the church in the hierarchy, you know, you know, thinking that they're churchy people, so they, you know, they got to be like close to Jesus and they they got to be really really holy. So you have no idea how hard it is to very easily lose sight of Christ and really lose sight of the holiness of life and the busyness of the work part of the duties and the administrative part are absolutely overwhelming. Well, I mean, you say that, yes, our, our responsibility is to be in union with Christ, but even that, the Pope is a part of this. This is from paragraph 1369. Okay. The whole church is united with the offering and intercession of Christ. Since he has the ministry of Peter in the church, the Pope is associated with every celebration of the Eucharist. Right. Wherein he is named as the sign and servant of the unity of the universal church. The bishop whose authority depends on him being in union with Christ, the bishop of the place is always responsible for the Eucharist, even when a priest presides. The bishop's name is mentioned to signify his presidency over the particular church. And then uh, then the catechism quotes uh, St. Ignatius, let only that Eucharist be regarded as legitimate 
which is celebrated under the presidency of the bishop or him to whom he has entrusted it. My point being that the, the, the authority you have as a priest to speak over the elements, to summon the Holy Spirit, depends on your union with the bishop and that bishop's union with the Pope. So Amen. it still comes yes, down absolutely. to the Pope. Without question. So Without it's question. like, how am I going to be united with Jesus? In the Holy Eucharist. Right. Who's responsible for the right. authority of all that happened? The Pope, the bishops. Yeah. And then to you. And I think supreme authority, and you know, I, I mentioned this now, and again, it's difficult, you know, time for the church, you know, with leadership and not just trying to, you know, understand our current Holy Father at times and, you know, feeling frustrations and lack of clarity and, you know, not, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, but um, when we are ordained priests, you know, and deacons, you know, when you're ordained, uh, the bishop individually, the man kneels down before that bishop and he takes your hands in his folded and he looks at you and he says, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors. Now, again, I will repeat it. He says, do you promise respect and obedience? He doesn't say, do you promise obedience? He says, do you promise respect and obedience to me and who else? And my successors. And every guy, of course, is, you know, young. We're so ready to be priests. We're so excited. I do. I do. You know, I do. And then you know what the I do is extremely difficult at times whether to be obedient or to be respectful or to be both. Mm -hmm. And what do we see now? You know, we see we see blogging and priests and bishops at each other and no, you know, one priest is out there lambasting his bishop, you know, and it's like, but the bishop did him wrong and did this and did that and there's people behind him, you know, and I think, you know, it's like but you know, you're not equals here. And the reality is is that Bishop Jugas, you know, I you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm here as a right of office as pastor, but, you know, I'm here by his authority. Yes. You know, I don't have my own authority to go over my bishop. And his authority presupposes his, his union authority, with the papacy. With, yeah. with, with the Holy Father. And yes. so, you know, I say, the, who removes bishops? The Pope. Who appoints bishops? Only the Pope. You know, and, and people don't understand that is how it happens that's what supreme authority is and it's this is major you know and we you know we defend this in the church and i want to go to that just briefly yes because you know we we defend this this is part of our this is what makes us the roman catholic church you know or the the universal church you know the roman catholic church um you know is, is a particular right of the catholic church but um but we we have defended the primacy of of the holy father and his his infallible infallible authority through the ages, but in recent time, I found this quote. I won't mention where from just yet, um, but in looking at what you're discussing about uh, how we have to understand the Holy Father. Yeah, how should we as Catholics really so this understand is, this the Holy is Father? A somewhat lengthy, but it's important that we hear what our Church keeps teaching us. You know. Um, that which our Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Shepherds and Great Shepherd of the Sheep, established in the Blessed Apostle Peter for the continual salvation and permanent benefit of the Church, must of necessity remain forever by Christ's authority. In the Church, which founded as it is upon a rock, will stand firm until the end of time. For no one can be in doubt. Indeed, it was known in every age that the Holy and Most Blessed Peter, Prince and Head of the Apostles, the Pillar of Faith, and the Foundation of the Catholic Church received the keys to the kingdom from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the human race, and that to this day and forever he lives and presides and exercises judgment in his successors, the bishops of the Holy Roman See. 
which he founded and consecrated with his blood. Gosh, that's so important to remember. Mm -hmm. Therefore, whoever succeeds to the chair of Peter obtains by the institution of Christ himself the primacy of Peter over the whole church. So what the truth has ordained stands firm, and blessed Peter perseveres in the rock-like strength he was granted and does not abandon the guidance of the church which he once received. For this reason, it has always been necessary for every church, that is to say, the faithful throughout the world, to be in agreement with the Roman church because it, it's more effective leadership. In consequence of being joined as members to head with that sea, from which the rights of the sacred communion flow to all, they will grow together into structure of a single body. Therefore, if anyone says that it is not by the institution of Christ the Lord himself, that is to say by divine law, that blessed Peter should have perpetual successors in the primacy over the whole church, or that the Roman pontiff is not the successor of blessed Peter in this primacy, let him be anathema. Okay, this is from the Vatican Council, Vatican One, right. which was 1869 to 1870, very short council. And this was one of the hallmarks of that council was establishing and clarifying who is the Holy Father and what is his, what's his responsibility. And we see that, you know, that the strength came from Christ and consecrated and established. It says consecrated with his blood, the blood of Jesus on the cross. So this is not a small thing, you know, and we shouldn't even, you know, we, we should really understand what, what, cost, what it cost Christ. Yes. For not just the office of the Pope, but for the whole church. Right. You know, and we all wound the church with our sins. Just a further statement, then I'll, I'll stop. It further says, Both clergy and faithful, of whatever right and dignity, both singly and collectively, are bound to submit to this power by the duty of hierarchical subordination and true obedience. And this not only in matters concerning faith and morals, but also in those which regard the discipline and government of the church throughout the world. In this way, by unity with the Roman pontiff in communion and in profession of the same faith, the church of Christ becomes one flock under one supreme shepherd. This is the teaching of the Catholic truth, and no one can depart from it without endangering his faith and salvation. And so uh, others can go read through First Vatican Council. That's the Vatican One. Vatican One. Now, I, I mean, because elaborate on that one statement there, because I, I was, we were going to talk about it. And I know I was going to mention it, and I learned that when it, that we are always obedient to the Pope in matters of faith and morals. But Vatican One, could you read that sentence again? It seems to expand that does, even yeah. beyond faith and morals. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so. The juridical power of the Roman pontiff is both episcopal and immediate. Both clergy and faithful of whatever right and dignity singly and collectively are bound to submit to this power. So this is the power of the Roman pontiff. They are both bound singly and collectively to submit to the power of, by the duty of the hierarchical subordination and true obedience. And this, is the, and this not only in matters concerning faith and morals not only in matters concerning faith and morals, but also in those which regard the discipline and government of the church throughout the world. So, yeah, so that, so, you know, we, we, did, we, we're not going down the rabbit hole of, <clears throat> of governance, you know, and so there can be decisions, and certainly are, uh, that the Pope has made um, regarding governance, you know, and, and they are painful and hurtful to Catholics and, um, and have caused the ire, anger, wrath of many in the church, from bishops down to, you know, um, the the daily mass goer. 
you know, we're not getting into that. Um, but the reality is, you know, can he make these decisions? You know, and I, I am uncompelled by those who say, no, he can't. That's not, what the su- that's not what that document supreme suggests. Supreme authority is what it is. And that is established by divine law, you know, um, that the office is, is given to us. So now whether he should make decisions in a certain way or even make certain decisions in a certain way, um, you know, people are already arguing and, and, and debating on that. But the reality is, you know, it may be a decision that is that is totally unpopular and, and hurtful and 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 causes division confusion. and confusion, you know, but but it still is. Is it still his decision? And it it seems to me that yes, he's governing as the pontiff and and wow, look at how what we have to pray and pray and pray for any any man holding that office. And so I know before we started this podcast, we were talking about we were talking about the office of Pope, separating that from the man. You know, the man and the office are different. You mm-hmm. know, um, in that the office remains when the man is gone. You know, and I think Benedict taught us a lesson in his resignation. He, he I no longer have the, he, the, you know, the capabilities. He said to effectively govern. I think was if I'm paraphrasing him, to govern and you know carry the duties that are to my office you know he just recognized that he you know in 600 plus years no pope has resigned but he did but you resign from offices Hmm. you know and you know i think that um he taught the church something profound in that that lesson is that this is not about me yes but when it comes to when it comes to matters though of faith morals Disciplines, governing, and governance. Yeah. Then, yeah. then according to Vatican One, it's obedience. He has yeah. full authority to do that. Now, would that also would it be considered governing to call an ecumenical council uh, together? Would that be considered governing? Sure. Okay. Well, that's Vatican Two, right? Because it was a pope who called together Vatican Two, right? Yeah. And I, I know in my my early conversion days, and even now, there are those who question the legitimacy of Vatican Two. Isn't right. that dangerous? Yeah, I think. I mean, I. I think if you want to talk about teachings in specific areas that aren't clear or, I mean, and they're need elaboration, doing that sure, for sure, decades, sure. doing that for decades. Again, very, what's one area that's very unread in the church? The documents of the Second Vatican Council. You know, most people don't even know what's in them and, and don't even know how many there were and the, don't even know the different levels. And, and I don't think that every person should necessarily, you know, um, you know, but, you know, really the leadership of the church and those who teach and preach really should be the ones who are getting more uh, informed, you know, but it was, you know, you know, Vatican I was 1869-87, very quick. And I think there was the, there was the, I think World War One, uh, uh, or there were not the World War One, but um, uh, there was a, a conflict i can't remember my history but something made the first council close quickly okay you know and back then that was you know just really italy you know you know the vatican ii was bishops from all over you know the globe you know and we were in the time of multimedia uh, multi or a uh, social media age with news and broadcasting and you know and yes we already know that there's already the the, the reality that the implementations of vatican ii and understanding have you know haven't gone well and John Paul II and Benedict XVI have worked very hard 
to keep implementing Vatican II. And, and I'm told that Francis is also, you know, trying to do that, you know. And I mean, I have not uh, paid a whole lot of attention to Rome, particularly uh, in the past several years, because it's just gotten so... Um, uh, vehemently uh, vitriolic. Vitriolic. It's just like you know what? I'm just. I have my catechism and my Bible and <laughs> my parish, and uh, and you know if something major happens, I'll hear about it from my bishop. You know, yes. and you know, and if it's that, if it's that life altering, then uh, then we'll be guided by our bishop to do to next steps because that's his job. You mm-hmm. know, is the Holy Father is asking for this, and here we do that. You yes, know, so. but but as Catholics, we can trust that Vatican II was inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, through the Pope, and it is a legitimate oh my gosh council yeah. right. That and I mean, happened. If if it not, if not, then I then then what are we doing? I mean, exactly. Where, where where are we? Where are we getting that truth? Right. You know, and I mean, and to say and to judge how the Holy Spirit works, and to be definitive on well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't wouldn't do that. You know, that God's will is permissive. You know, God permits a lot of. Read the Old Testament. Read the, sure. read the horrible leadership. You know, and God rightly told the the kingdom of Israel, the people of Israel, if you want a king and be like everybody else, this is what's going to happen. And they still said, we want a king. So they got Saul. Sure. And then they got David and Solomon. And then after Solomon, it went, went really poorly for a long time. You know, and I, I think people who are struggling with bad leadership, like, let's just read the book of Kings 1 and 2, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you'll see that bad leadership was the norm. But and the good, holy, directive, pious, you know, king that came to draw people back to the God of Israel was a rare find, mm-hmm. you know, so. But we have been given the office. I mean, we can right. trust as Catholics that when the Pope speaks in matters of faith and morals and governance, when the bishops and the councils are together, we can trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding the church, right. and we can trust it. Yeah, and and if if you know that somehow God isn't in, in control, this is His church, and ultimately there it's His problem yes. to deal with things that the way they are, you know, unfolding on some level, um, and that we have to make sure: are we really spending the time to know our faith, you know? And, and many of us really aren't. And, and are we praying for our Pope? And are we, you know, and are we praying for the Holy Father? Because it's not pray for the Holy Father when you like him, <laughs> and it's not pray for the Holy Father because he's your favorite Pope. Right. You know, it, you know. And we were told this in Fatima, and you know, we've been told this, you know, throughout the past, you know, over a century to be praying for the Pope, um, and that unless unless we are in the dicasteries and we're cardinals and we're meeting with him all the time. You know, and working with him every day. You know, many of us really don't have we don't have a full picture about anything that's really going on. You yeah. know, and 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 we're and we're not. I'm not sure where we woke up and said we have we need to. Right. But we don't. You know, we do. We want to know everything about everything that our leaders are doing and saying and and um, and every moment. You know, and I and I get. I mean, I get that. And I mean, I'm like that too. But it's almost like, well, where when did we? get into this position where, where that, that has to be the case. That's why know? I think so many of the, 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 the attacks against the Pope, um, and, and there may be, there are cases, I'm not saying we should never ever critique the Pope, but there's a difference between criticism and captiousness. And captiousness is a word that we don't hear all that much, but captious means 
fault finding. Yeah. I've got to find fault and then I'm going to report about it. I sometimes wonder if what we're seeing uh, on social media and uh, other agencies is a kind of social contagion. It's, it's like the mob mentality. We don't have to go into it, but it, I, I'm really influenced here by the philosopher Rene Girard. Mm-hmm. But humanity is very much influenced by the mob. Mm-hmm. And by a social contagion, it's like a fire that starts or a yeah. virus that spreads. Someone's against the, the pope. Well, I guess I'll be against the pope. And then the next person will be against. Right. And what are you really against uh, the pope about? Well, I'm not really exactly sure, but here's what I heard. Yeah. And this just kind of spreads until suddenly we have been habituated to think, well, we're just we're just going to be critical uh, or captious even of, of our leadership, right. not even exclusive to the Pope, but in any place. Well, and, be, and, just beware of the social yeah. contagion. And I think we have to understand that we're appropriating this as Americans. Yes. And what did we see? What did we see? You know, just some years ago. You know, not my president, and not my. You know, I mean, just this yes. this idea that you know, and this is a democracy, and we vote, and you know. We're told our vote matters and, and all that. And, you know, and so we just feel like, shouldn't we have a say, a voice? Shouldn't we clamor loudly enough about, and then if we do that, something will change. So the reality is, is the next pope is going to be elected from the College of Cardinals. You know, and if you don't like, if you don't like three cardinals in there, then, you know, just your odds aren't good then. So don't even, you know, what are you looking for? You know, and it's who God wants. It's who the Lord and wants. we have no idea. We have no idea what God is doing, you know, and we should just admit most of the time that we really don't know what he's up to and stop living and acting like it, you know, and just because it's a bad time or we've got, we get bad leadership or no leadership and, you know, and to think that somehow God is being hindered or, you know, he's sitting there with his hands folded, not knowing what to do because now we've screwed it up again. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's all we do is screw it up. I mean, when you look around <laughs> at the history, like who's messing yeah. up the church? We are. Sure, sure. You know, who's, who's reforming the church? Who is? The saints. That's right. And who's making the world and transforming the world, the saints are. You but know, who so are the, the saints only, always in union with? The Holy Father. They are always the Pope, in union yeah. with the Holy Father. And, and another point about, I think I mentioned, did I, I think it popped about uh, Padre Pio last week, did I? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, you know, really, what would the saints do? And I'm sure there have been saints who have challenged leadership, you know. Um, but were they, were they in a position to do that? And how was it done? And it was if it was a saintly witness, it was done out of charity. It was done out of humility. Mm-hmm. It was not done out of, you know, TikTok, Facebook, Instagramming, YouTubing, you know, um, you know, I mean, unless you're gonna have a private meeting with the Holy Father, you're probably not gonna get to him. It's like, why don't you just pray for him and pray for the people that he works with that if he needs guidance, if he needs, you know, if he needs Counsel. Mm-hmm. Well, that, this he'll, is, that he'll listen to it, and that those that surround him will will do what they need to do. You know, because you're only as good as really the people you surround yourself. Well, that's with. such an important point because I think this now we're thinking biblically. You know, you do you have uh, an opportunity to say anything to the post? Some do, some don't. Many don't. Most don't. I mean, think about it. I, I mean, I'm going to hold like two two different responses to leadership in the Bible. I mean, okay, so you've got Paul, mm-hmm. Saint Paul. Mm-hmm. He clearly had a critique to level against 
Peter, mm -hmm. the first pope, regarding uh, Peter's presumed hypocrisy about not eating, becoming like the Jew uh, mm -hmm. when Jews were around, but then yeah. eating with the Gentiles when the Gentiles were around. And Paul was like, oh, wait a minute now. That, that's not what we're supposed to do. Now, that's in uh, Galatians, the first uh, couple of chapters. And Paul actually uses strong language. I went, I spoke to his face. And mm -hmm. what we would say and called him out. Okay, that's a critique. But Paul had access to Peter. Yeah, he's someone who could 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 address him. We don't. But then on the other hand, I always think about King David when when Saul was in power. Saul was not a great king, and he was out to kill David. And he was a few out times. to kill David. But every opportunity David had to dispatch King Saul, he would always say, "I will not lay my hands on God's anointed." Mm -hmm. He still said, Saul is, is the king. Mm -hmm. He is there by the Lord's will. I will not harm the Lord's anointed. anointed yeah. And I think that might be a pretty good posture for us to take regarding. Oh, and that's our, good. And you've said that Father. before. And I think that we need to be reminded. That really goes for, you know, um, and this isn't a clerical thing. This is like, oh, he's anointed. The priests are all anointed, so we shouldn't, you know. I mean, the reality is, is we need to live as Christians as and Catholic what does Christians. Jesus say about our enemies? Pray for them and love them and do good to them. You know, so I mean, even if even if you're convinced beyond all belief that you know a particular person, a leadership person, is is the enemy of blank blank blank, and me and my family and the church, and and if you have determined that this is the enemy, then 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 what would Jesus be saying to us? Would be pray yes for those who persecute, do good to them. Mm -hmm. You know, harbor no grudge and hold no resentment. That's in Leviticus, you know, and that goes on through um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, no hatred and no resentment in your heart. You know, I mean, there's no place for it. And I think the contagion that you're talking about is spot on. And I think it breeds contempt and resentment and hatred. And that and, you know, and that's what the these media outlets are. I mean, just think about it, you know, like let's just use it. You know, people who didn't like uh, President Trump. OK, uh, you know, now he's now he's no longer the president. You know, so now what do you talk about? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you don't like President Biden, and then when he's no longer the president, then what? Then what's your big right? What's your big sell? And you if know, your model like, is to outrage your viewers and listeners, right. well, you're going to have to continue to try to outrage Correct. them. I mean, and if you're if 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 the Pope is always doing wrong, you know, it's like well, we'll point out good when he's doing it. It's like well, if you start doing that, we know what's going to happen. No one's going to listen to you anymore. Well, you could do that to me on any given day. Just point out all the things that I did wrong right. and just broadcast that. You would think I'm a, I'm, I'm crazy. Yeah. But just just be. But it's not necessarily true. I mean, the acts that I've done could have been wrong, but that doesn't define who I am right. and what I am doing. Um, well, but the do, outrage yeah. industrial complex is what we're. That's the. And I I would almost argue that we are outraged to the extent someone is making money off of it. Right. No, that's true. And that, this isn't just about the Holy Father and even who's in that office, but um, this is how we, it's operating in our culture as Americans. Mm -hmm. You know, and we just we have to understand that and believe, say, yes, we fall for this all the time. Yes. You know, and we need to, we need to unplug and stop, you know, and start getting back into the scriptures and getting into prayer more and meditation and silence and you know, just understanding that, you know, we're just being manipulated by so much of, quote, news throughout the day. And whether it's true or not, you know, 
yeah, I've said to people, why do you have to know everything that's going on around the world? Why? Well, I, I, I mean, why? And what can you do about it? And I mean, you know, nothing that needs to be said is going to change. We need to pray for the world yeah. and pray for salvation. But but every everything going on, you know, well, I got to be ready. You know, how can anyone be truly ready for what's coming next? Whatever that means, you know. Well, you need to seek holiness, right? And before we close off, um, you know, another point too that in the the readings um, on the primacy of Peter in the Mass um, for the I think it's the Chariot of Saint Peter, but then there's another time where um, the prime, you know, the Matthew's Gospel with Peter giving Peter uh, Jesus giving Peter the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, the first reading is about Shebna. Remember? Oh yes. And isn't that is Isaiah? That's Isaiah, like twenty two. Isaiah twenty two. Yeah. So if you could look at that real quick, can you try and find that? But I want to, I, I want to make a point there too, um, that that because that reading's chosen is the first reading, um, for showing that this is from God. This authority that's coming. Um, but um, it's. I think it says the Lord says to. Um, yeah, thus says the Lord of God. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. Come, go to this steward to Shebna, who is over the household, and say to him, "What do you have? What have you to do here? And whom whom have you here that you have hewn here a tomb for yourself? You who who a tomb on the height and carve a habitation for yourself in the rock? Is that what you're talking yep. about? Behold, the Lord will hurl you away violently. That's a strong rebuke. Uh, he will seize firm hold of you and whirl you round and round and throw you like a ball into a, a, a wide land. Um, and then I'm going to read down here. In that day I will call my servant Elohim, the son of Hilakai, mm-hmm. and I will clothe him with your robe mm-hmm. and will bind your girdle on him and will commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father, interesting, he shall mm-hmm. be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So that's really an, uh, what Jesus did to Peter. This is an allusion to this, yes. this story I'm here. so glad you're a former Protestant because, you know, like, oh, there's Isaiah 20. I have to, have to fumble about the lectionary to find that, you know. <laughs> At least I got the prophet right. That's right. But anyway, my point there is God will deal with it. Yes. If it's that bad, if there's bad leadership, and he says in Ezekiel too about the bad shepherds. Sure, you know the point is God will take care of it, and if it's a bad leadership issue, He'll handle it when he, when it's when it's time. Yes, and we might think it's too long, and it's like this isn't my church, and this is not my office. He's established it, and the vicar of Christ is there. You know the Lord Jesus. You know if we're supposed to think of Him as Christ, well, Jesus will handle it. He'll handle him. He'll deal with him in the time that's proper, in the way that's proper. You know, but 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 what we all want? What kind of Pray what kind of what kind of reaction we want from Christ with our mistakes? And he said, Lord, if you took account of our sins, who could stand? Mm. So we, he's dealing with all of us. Yes. You know, so let's remember that every one of us needs the same. We need the same divine mercy to go to heaven. You no, know, none of us is sitting around. You know better off how do we know oh the lord sees the heart we learned last week you know and then the anointing of david that you know uh these are all your sons you know samuel samuel says these are your sons and you know jesse says no there's the youngest boy he's out in the field you know and then there he is anoint him you know he's the one he's the you one. know and there you have it the lord's anointed it's like the lord has simply chosen us knucklehead guys to be priests and bishops and popes you know 
and and hopefully we'll become saints and that but the Lord chose is isn't because we had a long sit down interview with God and he says, Well, you know, you're pretty good and you know, gosh, you got a nice resume here and I think I'll make you the next whatever, you know. I mean he just chose us. Well, and so that what's the mystery? Isn't that the mystery? Yes. You know, and parents and, and trusting us with trusting you with children and life and bring up people, you know, that um that he's just chosen us, you know, and it isn't because we've been congratulated for anything we've done in life. And no vocation is a reward for good behavior. You know, it is the Holy Spirit has chosen us for these vocations of life, and none of us is deserving of a single one of them. And we all should be on these praying for forgiveness in our own lives and the grace to live out fully the vocation God's asked us to live, you know, and, and just understand that, you know, we're all, we're all, we've all been given something on our shoulders that we can't handle, you know, and so that reading there is, is, is so nicely couched in the liturgy with the reading from Matthew. And, and I, that the point being is there too, is, you know what, <clears throat> there will be you know, people are frustrated. You know what's going to happen? There will be new bishops. There will be new popes. Uh, or Jesus Christ will come in glory, and this will be over. Yes. So so that's what's going to happen, you know. We're going to have new leadership in the church in the next, you know, we just continually have new leadership, or Christ will come in his glory. And there will be no more of this, you know, uh, fallen church pilgrimage to heavenly glory we this earthly part this earthly pilgrimage will be over and hopefully we'll be found to be among the great disciples of christ who are on fire with love for him and his eucharistic heart and um and we can trust in the meantime that the office the chair of peter is being guided by the holy spirit in matters of faith and morals and discipline and, and governance. You know, and so I will we, say, you know, we're yeah. called to be saints. I will leave everybody with the image that I have uh, obtained from St. Don Bosco, John Bosco. Yep. He says, every Catholic must stay with one, within what he called the triangle. And the triangle is simply, number one, adoration and intense love for Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. The other point, devotion to the Virgin Mary. And then the third point in the triangle is obedience to the vicar of Christ, the Holy Father, in matters of faith and morals. And there's a lot of play in that triangle, but don't deviate. And it was St. Bosco's way of saying, whatever you do, however you dis get disgruntled, stay on the bark of Peter. Right. Stay on the bark of Peter because saints are made always in union with the Pope, yeah. the vicar of Christ. And, and I think, too, to, to say, you know, you know who's defending this? Who's defending this office of pope is Jesus. I mean, am I wrong to say that? No, I mean, you know who? You know, it's it says that the, he's the, the vicar consecrated, of He consecrated the office with his blood. Yes. You know, so I mean, he's not. He's like, well, I want to get this office out, and let's just. We don't need. You know, and if 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 we can't say that the the one who's in the office of pope is somehow the pope, or if we if we think there's a vacant seat, mm -hmm. you know. Then I, you know, I'm just not sure where you go with that, you know. And how long has that been the case? Yeah, yeah. you know, some would say decades, yeah. and I'm just I don't know. I'm not sure where because if that's the case, then what's you know what's the Holy Spirit doing? Exactly. Well, we don't know what God's doing, you know. But it it's unbroken succession. Sure, sure. And there's 
again, we're not saying never criticize, never have reservations, but never, even, never yeah, desire yeah. a little bit more clarity. But can we take the posture of St. Catherine of Siena that d despite some of the decisions, she still said, the Pope, he's my sweet Jesus mm -hmm. on earth. And she stayed on the bark. Well, I she think stayed it, on the bark I think we need to pray for that grace, you know, because it really is, you know, maybe that's part of the time is, you know, how much, how much are we going to really love the Holy Father? And, and, you know, and that means this is like an emotional response. Love is a choice. Mm -hmm. You it's know, it's movement of the, will. of the will. It's not, I have good feelings about the Pope. Of course I love the Pope. You know, it's, that's not what Jesus said. It says love agape. Mm -hmm. You have the love of Christ who welcomed back Peter after his threefold denial. Yes. And, you know, the Pope is going to be speaking probably in two or three years on the Eucharist after the Synod, the Synod of Synodality. What do we do? Listen to the saints. Stay on the bark. Yeah. He has been given the supreme authority. Uh, obedience and, and trust, in matters of and, faith and, trust, and morals. And trust Jesus, you yes. know, that um, this is, he's He's in charge. Yes. You know, he, this, is, this is his church. It's his office, his vicar, his bishops and priests. He's going to handle things, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if it's not now, it, and it'll be later. Yes. And then, you know, we don't want to pray for people to face judgment to accept mercy, but we all will face judgment. You know, he's going to deal with all of us at some point, you know, yes. and so, um, but let's be invested, be transformed, be his, our, our Lord Jesus, and pray um, for the Pope. Let's, let's keep, you know, being Catholic because part of the mark <laughs> of the church is, you know, we pray for the Holy Father and it doesn't matter who's, who the man is. That is know? what makes us Catholic, yeah. is our union with the right. chair of, of Peter. Well, thank you, Father. Uh, thank you for uh, enlightening us. And I'm sure there, there are some questions people will have. And of course, if you've got any questions for us, please email me. You can find my email address on the church website. And our website is stmccg.org. But on behalf of Father Rossi, I am Shane Page. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>